Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whenever I'm gauged in the readings from the Gospel according to St. John, I seem to always be drawn to the very end of the Gospel where we hear these words. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I can never seem to shake those words when I'm in the gospel according to St. John, and really the entirety of Scripture. But but here in John's gospel, it's very pointed that he says that you may believe. Even this gospel reading that we have, where Jesus attends this this wedding, at least in the small city of Cana, he comes and does a miracle, and his disciples believe. They believe that he has come for them. They believe the power of God working through the word. They believe in God. And that's what God wants. God wants us to believe. Because by believing we have life in his name. And it is in this season of epiphany that we see more and more of Christ revealed to us in his workings. That he is no mere man, that he is God in the flesh. That he has come to save, to redeem. And during Epiphany, the church hears how God is revealed and how this revelation of his glory in Christ brings us to faith. And in faith, we have life. In faith, we no longer see the Father as this wrathful God, but we are made to encounter his love for his creation. He brings us to see that we might have confidence in him as a God who loves, as a God who is merciful, as a God who enjoys giving to his creation this superabundance of joy that we had not known before. God gives us faith so that we believe. Look at Moses from our reading in Exodus chapter 33. Moses boldly asked of the Lord, he said this, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? How shall it be known? That I have found favor. We want the God who loves us. We want the God who has promised to take care of us. A God who gives us his countenance, his favor, his blessing. And Moses says to the Lord, how shall it be known that I have this? That I and your people have your favor. I mean, after all, the Israelites were not the cleanest bunch of people. And God tells him by his word. He says, you have my favor. But Moses says, but but if you are to leave us, then we would not have your favor. You must go with us into the land. Show us your protection. Show us your care that would accompany us on our way. But it wasn't the hour for the Lord to reveal to Moses the fullness of his glory. So he shows Moses just a glimpse. 
shows him a sign of his favor. But he shields him from the glory that is to be revealed in Christ and on the last day. By this sign of God's word, Moses comes down from the mountain, believing that the Lord would go with his people into the promised land. That the Lord's promise would be true, that he would send the angel before them to take care of the enemies. He goes forward leading his people. There's this theme that we see carried throughout our text today, that God unites with his people. This spiritual marriage, as we call it, marriage between Christ and the church. And it's even seen here in the Old Testament, because God unites with his people, even in the face of their enemies, he does not leave them. He goes on before them. He unites to them to keep them wherever they were to go. It is St. Paul who further expounds on this. When in our text today from Ephesians, we see that the mystery of God's uniting to his creation is shown to us in the picture of marriage. St. Paul writes to the church to the saints gathered in Ephesus, having received word of their faith, he expresses his overwhelming joy for them and how he gives thanks to the Lord for their faith, for everything. And in his letter, this portion that was read to you today shares shares this peace that they have. Paul wants them to know that God unites with them. That God unites with them in in a way in which he will nurture them and care for them. He tells them a mystery, a sign of God's favor. This blessed institution of marriage, God marries his church. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, leaves the heavenly realm, comes down to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. He leaves his father and his mother at the cross, gives Mary over to the beloved disciple who writes John, and he gives To marry a son. One who would care for her. But he leaves her to be joined to his church. To his bride. It is true then that if God does not spare his only son. But gives him up. He will also give to us all things. We come to the miracle in Cana. Seeing this picture of marriage. Being honored by God being given a special blessing by the Son, who comes and attends the wedding, not as the honored guest, but just as an attendee. And when they run out of wine, which brings men's hearts gladness, it is the Lord who provides. It was not his hour to show his glory, but he reveals just a glimpse of it. 
He reveals a glimpse before his disciples, before his mother, before the servants, with the result that his disciples believe in him. God blesses this marriage. He comes to honor marriage. Not just as the institution for the procreation of family, but also as a special gift to his church. Because it is that he unites himself to us. And if a man unites himself to this bride, if he loves himself, he loves his bride. And Christ gave up everything for his church. Laying down his life, suffering his crucifixion, to atone for our sins. He gives us hope. He shows us the sign of God's favor. And isn't that what we want as God's people? We want to know that God loves us. We want to know that God is with us. And it is that during our times, and and it's only been a few here maybe, but we have used this service called corporate confession and absolution to reconcile parties, to bring peace where there was no peace, to be able to come back up to the altar and join together as the church in unity without the problem of sin being there. God wants us to believe, and so he gives us a pledge. During this service, we say these words. The pastor addresses those in the congregation He says, so that we may more confidently believe this, be strengthened in faith and in holy living. Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take eat, this is my body which is given for you. It is as if he said, I became man and all that I do and suffer is for your good. As a pledge of this, I give you my body to eat. In the same way also, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Again, it is as if he said, I have had mercy on you by taking into myself all your iniquities. I give myself into death, shedding my blood to obtain grace and forgiveness of sins and to comfort and to establish the New Testament, which gives forgiveness and everlasting salvation. As a pledge of this, I give you my blood to drink. Do you want to know if the Lord favors you? If the Lord has blessings for you? We needn't look any farther than what he gives to his church. How he blesses the institution of marriage. How he supplies his bride with everything that she needs. God gives of himself for us. A pledge, a token of his love, of his favor. So that we can walk this life with hope. Moses left having hope. St. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus telling them that they have hope because God is with them, that they have life by believing in his name, and that he will care for them as a man cares for his wife. 
And Jesus shows in his very being that he comes to bring joy to the people of earth, to his people, to his creation. He provides for this wedding a wine of gladness so that the people here may rejoice in Cana over the good gift that God gives to his people, that they may not be alone, but that they may have families to grow up in the worship and fear of the Lord, and so that they may be found together with love and joy and happiness. He places himself in the midst of that wedding. He places himself in the midst of us this day. He provides a sign for us of his love, a new testament, a gift which brings to us forgiveness, life, and salvation. He ushers in for us the joy of the wedding feast, the wine which we drink, the bread which we eat. They're not mere symbols. It is the wine of gladness. Because for us it removes the the sins. It gives to us strength and confidence in our God that he has forgiven us. It uplifts our soul and our spirit to leave this place with joy and happiness. Wherever our Lord leads us in this life, whatever vocation he has called us to serve in, there we bring the joy of Christ. We bring the peace of his favor and we share it with all people that they may know that Christ has come to this earth, died on the cross, rose again from the dead to unite himself with the people fallen, to present us as his bride, washing and cleansing us in the waters of baptism, to be holy and blameless without spot or wrinkle, to make for himself a splendid bride. And he has done so. And he will continue to do so until he comes again. With each new year, this font, we pray, is filled with people who come to receive the waters of life. We pray that God continues to call people through these doors to bring them into his kingdom, to make them his children, to unite himself with them as he has done so for all of these years. God's gift to his church is joy. So take part in that joy this day. Come with your burdens. Come with your ailments. Come with all things to the Lord. And let him fill you up with the joy of gladness in the wedding feast that he has prepared for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord.